right, welcome to the Quarantine Spook Show. I'm Kyle Carezzi. This is a show where I do improvised horror stories. Uh, what I do is I pick out uh, random titles, and then I make up the stories from there. Have any titles you'd like to submit? You can send them to quarantine spook show at gmail.com or contact me through more direct means. Sometimes it's straight up horror, sometimes it's straight up comedy, and everywhere in between. further ado, let's get started. Alright, this story is called Radio and Dances. Extraordinarily lucky. lucky. To have access to have to have access to such a high-end studio space. She was barely making rent to pay for her time there. in Brunswick. It's extremely difficult to get into. And I had a pretty staggering uh, waiting list. But she knew one of the uh, 
instructor instructors there uh, that taught workshops, uh, Jimmy. And he found a way to let her in. She took a few workshops here and there. learning different types of dance. But what she loved doing was uh, just going to the studio at late night hours and then dancing all alone. Her life was pretty much a grind of service work. Working long shifts to pay for extremely her extremely small apartment. And again, she barely had enough to pay for the studio space. And she worked uh, graveyard hours. And that gave her the type of sleep cycle uh, so that she can go to the studio and practice dancing all throughout the night. She eventually built up a rapport to the, uh, to the dance space. And they gave her a spare key so she can come and go as she pleased. She also started to spend more volunteers hour there, helping out with workshops up and cleaning up and whatnot. One time the space went through a uh, renovation construction project that involved a lot of painting and uh, she participated and helped out. And that's how she met a lot of the people who would frequent there. And she was able to build trust She absolutely loved it there. Throughout her whole life, she had to put up a facade of some sort, backing herself into a corner of uh, inauthenticity in order to connect with people on some shallow, shallow, le shallow uh, level. she was dancing, she felt real for once. And when other people saw her dance, or she danced with other people, that was a proper way to connect with them. And delegate herself through craft so people could see her at a deeper level and then connect with other people in their also respective deeper level.
least it started off great. Again, Sydney took a lot of the workshops, some at a discount, some free of charge. She was taking her body to limits that she didn't quite anticipate before. Suddenly she was more nimble, more aerobic, more energetic. If she spent time with people or was uh, out in public somewhere, she had a better grasp of uh, how the physicality and presence of her being affected her environment. And a person with that type of awareness about themselves is a is a very uh, amazing and important thing. Cindy saw herself as a, uh, a proficient dancer, but she knew that there was some, still some more distance to go. She loved dancing. She's been doing it her whole life. But she still wanted to climb heights with it that she didn't think other people could fathom. Perhaps that wasn't entirely true. Maybe some of the great dancers out there knew the heights that she was trying to climb to. Or the heights that she was trying to climb to. And a lot of those other uh, proficient or great or intermediate dancers saw the distance that she was trying to go to and they're just like, oh, you know what, that's not for me. And it wasn't just a matter of, you know, dancing so much that your toes bled or anything like that. She wanted to recreate rhythm. necessarily recreated, but go for something more arrhythmic, beyond the scope of uh, time signatures. It was something she picked up on uh, when she saw a lot of actors perform. She knew a decent amount of them in New York City. that was a played a guy in a mohawk in Spider-Man 3 but it was cut out from the movie and probably it culminated to a grand total of a 0.8 seconds in that movie she remembers this actor friend uh, continuing to brag about this final fight scene in the movie and that he was in the crowd for it she watched it, uh, he was barely in it. But that was years ago, but she's known plenty of actors since. And watching them perform, uh, she found when, uh, people would perform, you know, 
speak in specific cadences, uh, but very predictable ones. You know, they would say one thing, and then something else. But what she learned is that, uh, the performers that she admired the most, uh, performed in a way that was, uh, conversational. Preserve the a their uh their a rhythmic uh, their a rhythmic speech patterns. I saw that the great actors knew how to incorporate that into their performance. So they didn't have predictable reactions or. Making a joke, it didn't have the predictable setup punchline uh, kind of execution. The things that were compelling about their performance was embedded into how they communicated natu naturally. Now, once Cindy started to pick this up, she had the idea of incorporating it into dance. craft had a similar set of limitations. There was the more predictable uh, standard way of executing it, and then an arrhythmic, natural way that was still as much as compelling as any uh, traditional standard. on stage, she didn't just want to dance and move her body around, she wanted, to be, she wanted it to be arrhythmic and natural. When people would see her dance, she wanted them to see, she wanted them to witness life happening, the entire spectrum of the human experience. none of them possessed the quality that she wanted to present to her dancing and to her performance. So almost every night, she'd go to the studio and start dancing. She would dance her heart out. to the rain, dance to the sunrise, with her relationship with dancing, uh, she felt like she was at a perfect equilibrium to the rest of the universe. But then she felt like she was getting into a rut. Classical music. 
but she felt like it was too rigid and technical for what she was going for. And then she started to play a, a lot of contemporary uh, dance electronic music that she was into. Some tasteful synth wave and all that. But even that wasn't uh, getting her to the distance that she needed to go. started to perform the jazz. And she was dancing and uh, she thought, all right, on to something here. Definitely had similar arrhythmic qualities. Especially with the more avant-garde stuff. She was like, yeah, this, this is it. But still, it wasn't quite getting her to where she wanted to go. She was always seeking music that could fit the way that she wanted to dance. But she would, she would try to talk about her pursuits with other people. You know, they'd suggest some avant-garde stuff, or they'd say things like, oh, so you're an avant-garde dancer. And it would frustrate her. Because, sure, the label of avant-garde has a plenty of celebrated forms and traditions that can be found anywhere. But she felt the label uh, belittled, the belittled what she was trying to accomplish. at the studio she felt like she was pushed to her limit of her tolerance of the limitations of humanity she was just thinking to, the, thinking to herself is are there no sounds that were incepted by humanity that I could dance to Jimmy talking about uh, how the studio had some old CDs stashed. <clears throat> so she thought, all right, maybe I can find something uh, abandoned or forgotten or obscure. But maybe I can find something here.
closest she ever found to a type of dance music that she wanted to dance to was just random traffic and street sounds that she heard outside. It was the perfect arrhythmic quality that she was seeking. It was just life happening. So she went to a storage closet and rifled through the CDs. There was some classic jazz in there, like Bitches Brew. There's also some uh, 80s dance music, like Paula Abdul and Michael Jackson. And then she found an old radio. Clocked it, clocked it at a uh, being manufactured anywhere between 1987 and 1995. It was dusty and withered. But since she didn't find any of the CDs that uh, would satisfy her, she thought, oh, maybe this, uh, this old radio can do something. she was dancing and spun through the dial and all that she thought oh maybe there's like a local radio station that's playing something cool something I could dance to of course she could have done the same thing on her phone but then she thought maybe the process of Flipping through actual radio frequencies could evoke some inspiration in her. And then she found one show. talking about uh, something random. But listening to it, she found that the show was, uh, the DJ's name was uh, named Smelly Pete.
certainly seemed like a, an odd fellow, to say the least. Smelly Pete was just talking about absolutely random shit. Non-stop, really. No music, no ads. My first Cindy was just like, oh, what is this, a community radio station or something? kept talking about Spider-Man and the Matrix. He was talking about how everything was medieval out there, out in the world. How through the two years of bullshit everyone's dealing with that people were just not okay. And losing their shit in many different iterations. always on the verge of being poignant, but pretty much Smelly Pete was just doing all this uh, nonsense word babble stuff. Like, you couldn't even call them tangible conspiracy theories, either. I mean, not even the QAnon shot, not even the uh, QAnon stuff was this bad shit. It was nonsense in the purest sense of the word. And he would say some cult pop culture terms and uh, some words people knew that were technically in the English language. But they didn't build any tangible thoughts or ideas. logic anywhere. But still, Cindy was very alert by the voice and rhythm of Smelly Pete. And as she kept it on the frequency, she stood up and started to dance. bodies. And she moved like all those things were happening at once. It was the closest that she ever came to reaching a state of dance that she was aspiring to. Smelly Pete was just babbling non-stop. Just being all like, yeah, yeah, you know that uh, Jazz Peter. God, that guy's really out of sorts. Saw him at a casino. Really, uh, preening and pawing, you know. All the sweet nonsense. He was like Spider-Man with his words, you know. Shouting webs at people. 
singing songs about other songs, and it's just like, dude, you're making too many sounds, man. And then here I am, also making sounds about the underbelly of Brunswick. Brunswick, Florida, that is, you know what I'm saying? Anyone who ever listened to what he was saying was just like, what the fuck is he talking about? But Cindy didn't even, Cindy didn't even care about that. cut out at dawn. She felt reawakened and liberated as a human being. She had to do two major workday grinds before she could get back to the studio. But while she was working, all she thought about was a smelly peat our radio broadcast. She would text some of her friends who's uh who were into like avant-garde stuff. And you know, had uh, voice chats before going to bed. And she would talk about like, oh, heard about Smelly Pete. The avant-garde friends knew what she was talking about. Just like, yeah, smelly Pete, or is he, uh, smelly? And she's just like, oh, I just love smelly Pete. I was just so moved by him, you know? And one of her friends, who was, uh, the most avant-garde friend that she knew, was totally like, yeah, smelly Pete, the guy makes no goddamn sense. It's not about making sense. It's about the experience of it. Life doesn't make sense most of the time. But you experience it and that's what counts. I think Smelly Pete knows this. That's why he's out there slinging his truth. Casting his words like spider webs. And then her avant-garde friend said, This sounds like a Smelly Pete quote. like, shit, I don't know. My brain's like a toilet at this point. Flushing down to the other end of the cosmos. Sir, listen to Smelly Pete's broadcast uh, for a few weeks, for a couple more weeks at that point. She couldn't find anything about it online. And it was apparently nightly. someone with a pirate radio station in like an apartment nearby or something. But she always had to turn a dial at a very specific frequency to really get what he was saying. But as the weeks went on and she was dancing to Smelly Pete's Babble, lasted from midnight to sunrise. As she listened to these broadcasts, she would try to interact with people and communicate with them. But it was getting to the point where 
She wasn't really making any goddamn sense when she spoke to them. tried to treat herself and try to get herself a coffee and some breakfast at a nearby coffee shop. After a very vivid dance session. And then she just said, oh, I got all these lizards in my ass and I gotta just like get a hot wash, you know? So it was like, um, coffee? And she was just like, yeah, yeah, I needed my joints, you know? I need a, I need a full grease session. And then the barista was just like, all right, coffee and a bagel it is. It also started to alienate more people from out of her life. It also started to infringe upon her job. customers and she made no goddamn sense and she was just like oh god you know too many people are dipping their milky toast in milk toast you know what i mean and they're just like oh, i just need a i just need you know i just need my car towed she's like yeah yeah whatever man you know yeah i'll get the, I'll get the hulk right on that you know probably clock her as a beat poet or someone riding the wave of postmodernism but uh to a lot of people she was making a lot of sense she's like oh god damn like the spirit of dr seuss is like flushing my body of its toxins you know it's getting to the point where she was kind of uh, trying to speak her own language or more specifically Smelly Pete's language. And then one day she was chatting with Jimmy, which they haven't really been in a in communication too often. opposite work schedules and uh, opposite dance schedules. So they met up at one point when uh, Cindy was already really deep into Smelly Pete. And Jimmy didn't really witness the gradual change of uh, Cindy's communication style. pseudo-postmodern babble kind of struck them all at once. And he was just like, oh, holy hell, Cindy. You know, what have you, uh, what have you been up to? And then Cindy was just like, oh, smelly Pete, man, smelly Pete. 
You know, you gotta smell Pete to know him. But I can't smell him, I can only listen to him. And then Jimmy was like, oh, that makes sense. Yeah, smelly Pete. Yeah, I remember when that guy was around when I was a kid. and I'm just so moved and jolted, you know? With the asphalt crumbling beneath your feet, you know? All the flakes and stones moving around. Shuffling about between the sewers and into the soles of our shoes, right? making uh, more sense than that guy ever did. I guess. Yeah, and then he got hit by a bus, you know? Swept right out of the shoes on his feet. Yeah, I just assumed you were getting into Smelly Pete because his old station was in the dance studio we're in now.
give me a lot to think about. Doc Ock. schedule ahead of her, but god damn it, she had the dance. After working three 14-hour shifts in a row, and without getting a proper good night's sleep, she went back to the studio and got ready to dance. She turned on the radio, started dancing, and listened to Smelly Pete. He's going through a list of uh, words he was making up. And it went like this. Alright, here's a. Alright, a smelly Pete here. Here's a. Word number 37. Wazoo. So, like when you sneeze, but you're at a zoo. Okay, word number 39. I'm skipping word number 38 because I don't like that one anymore, but I'm going with word 39. Star pig. It's a pig among the stars. Watching over you, tucking you in at night. Kind of like a garden angel, guardian angel, but a cosmic farm animal. You know, everyone thinks about agriculture on Earth, but no one thinks about agriculture of the stars, you know? You really think all those rocks are just free-forming, moving on their own business? Nah, maybe someone planned them that way. someone designed the cons cosmos and no I don't mean I don't mean God no not that guy that guy's a figment we invented him to contextualize all the madness that's out there because chaos is a well-oiled machine man you know but when are we gonna throw a wrench in it into the gears of the fucking Cosmos blunder. This would happen more than once on uh, Smelly Pete's broadcasts. When he would just kind of like ramble over and over and then run out of shit today. Run out of shit to say and just kind of trail off. Not quite knowing what he's gonna say next. So Cindy started off dancing for an hour listening to this broadcast. Then she just started to listen to it. When she actually started to dissect the words, she was just like, okay, Smelly Pete's probably a little bit bonkers. I'll give him that. But where is this broadcast coming from? Maybe this is an archive. Maybe I'm crazy. Smelly Pete. He gave out a phone number, which is about uh, 15 digits too long. But Cindy understood his uh, the way Smelly Pete mapped his thoughts and his thought proce processes uh, so well that she could decipher what the actual phone number was. 
the phone was ringing. Smelly Pete here. Uh, turn off your radio so I don't have any feedback or anything. Cindy turned down her radio and at a low volume, not all the way down, but she stepped away from it. And Cindy was just like, "This, this is Smelly Pete." And Smelly Pete was just like, "Ah, oh, yes, sir, that's me." And Cindy was just like, "You're actually Smelly Pete." One of me that I know of. And then Cindy was like, okay, I have I have two questions for you then. And then Smelly Pete was just like, oh, I don't like being interrogated, but uh, yeah, bring it on, what do you got? And then Cindy was just like, one, what do you smell like, Smelly Pete? Why are you smelly? That's two questions, but I guess I'll count it as one. Uh, smell, I smell something different. I smell like something different every day, you know. My smells cannot be contained. I'm a tapestry of smells. second silence which is pretty big for a radio DJ from all walks of life at all professional calibers because there's no more of a harrowing sound to a radio DJ than dead air Like, well, I heard you got hit by a, uh, 
heard you got hit by a bus, you know? The shoes were swept right off your feet, I heard. And Smelly Pete was just like, huh, so, uh, that's where my shoes went.
and he ran and grabbed a fire extinguisher and sprayed it at the fire, but nothing came out. Then she got her, she grabbed her coat, started the beat to fire out, but it was only starting to spread. Spreading faster than fire, any fire she's ever seen before. She's like, oh fuck, oh shit. Meanwhile, Smelly Pete on the radio was shouting or chanting. Like, look, I was just listening to your show because I like to dance to it, alright? And Smelly P was like, you like my show? And Cindy was just like, yeah, I used to love your goddamn show. But now I'm learning you're just like a psychopath, you know? You got the honesty, you got the juice, you got the mojo. But you're just like taking it out on other people, you know? I mean, your words aren't, uh, your words aren't weapons, they're traps, you know? And you're holding people hostage with your bullshit. Into it anymore. So you grab the radio and toss it into the fire. And then she could hear a, a loud, high pitched, staticky scream from the radio. Smelly Pete was burning. She listened to Smelly Pete uh, long enough to know what his real pain sounded like. over already, you know? I heard you were a total dick and a psycho and you're alive, so just fucking... Come on, man, the cosmos needs radio too. Just get out of here. And then Smelly Pete stopped screaming. started to go down a little bit, but the fire was still growing. Eventually, Cindy grabbed her shit, called 911, uh, the fire department, and then ran out of the building. 
when she left, a fire truck's already there. And they gave her a blanket and some water. She sat by the trucks, watching a large chunk of the building burn. there for about 30 minutes. Maybe an hour. She lost track of time. She certainly sat there for most of the night. It was getting closer to dawn. The fire was simmering down. People were asking her questions about how it happened, and she said, oh yeah, it was an electrical fire, it was a light fixture, and then the radio got involved, and it was a big mess. still pretty exhausted and sleep deprived, but she was too wound up to fall asleep. Eventually Jimmy arrived, and then he was just like, what the fuck happened here? Jesus Christ, Cindy, are you alright? watching the sunrise, she just kind of thought, uh, maybe this is what Smelly Pete actually smelled like. Smoke and a new day. Quarantine Spook Show. I'm Kyle Corezzi. And good night.